if we look at the test that you would do to try and find out the cause of the epilepsy in young children, often we will know the cause before the epilepsy begins. Fellow Homo sapiens, today I introduce to you the fabulous paediatric neurologist and researcher from Glasgow University, Samir Zuberi. In fact, today is actually part one of two with Samir. Today's episode is about precision medicine for children with the genetic epilepsies, with a special mention of the rare epilepsies Drave and CDKL5, as June happens to be Awareness Month for each of them. If you would like to learn more about Samir, make sure that you also check him out at toryrobinson.com slash epilepsy hyphen sparks hyphen insights slash Samir hyphen Suberi. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and tune in next week in part two, where Samir will be sharing with us details about the reclassifications of epilepsy syndromes in young children. My name is Samir Zuberi. I'm a consultant paediatric neurologist at the Royal Hospital for Children in Glasgow in Scotland in the United Kingdom. Uh, And I'm also an honorary professor in the University of uh, Glasgow. And my main interests are in paediatric epilepsy um, and in neurogenetics as well as in movement disorders and sleep disorders as well but primarily paediatric epilepsy. Those are very sort of like well very well linked topics uh, although diverse topics. Could you give us an overview of of how you address those topics um, as a clinician and a researcher at Glasgow Uni? As a clinician I'm particularly interested in the genetic epilepsies. So I, I have genetic epilepsy clinics where I see patients from uh, throughout Scotland and occasionally from referrals from, from other countries as well, um, along with a clinical genetics colleague and a, we have a specialist genetic epilepsy nurse as well within our, within our team. Uh, so uh, we run a genetic epilepsy testing service as well within our hospital. So we make diagnoses for different types of epilepsies, uh, particularly in Scotland, um, and then see these individuals for specialist advice around the diagnosis, counselling, telling people what the future might hold, what the best treatments might be for these types of epilepsies. So that's my a large part of my clinical work. I also see all the children that come into the hospital anyway with all sorts of fits, faints, funny turns, where people are trying to work out what the diagnosis is, and I'm very interested in that. Um, so I do a lot of work with different, what we call, you know, differential diagnosis of epilepsy, video analysis work, uh, and we've established a video transfer system to help us make the diagnosis of epilepsies. So I do that work, and then the research side of it is linked into that, So we do a lot of work on what we call the genotype-phenotype relationships between epilepsy. So that means the link between the gene changes you find on someone's DNA and also how their epilepsy appears, how they may present, um, how that epilepsy changes over time, responses to medication, um, etc. And how you make rapid diagnoses in in these conditions. Um, And over the last few years, We've been doing a lot of research in Scotland on uh, the epidemiology of epilepsy. So that means um, the frequency of uh, epilepsy and its causes, particularly in very young children. Uh, And the reason why that's important is that very young children uh, have uh, epilepsy is very common. It affects about one in 400 young children, uh, less than three years of age. And interestingly, about one in 2,000 of them have a genetic epilepsy. Now, before we thought that was really rare, but the 
the cusp between what we call a rare disease and a common disease is one in 2000. So genetic epilepsy is just on that cusp of what we call common and rare diseases. Uh, so these are conditions that you know most children's doctors will be seeing you know in their clinical practice. So we've been working in Scotland uh, within our Scottish Paediatric Epilepsy Network to try and work out how common are these causes of epilepsy in young children and we've published a few papers on that in the last uh, couple of years as well so uh, yeah lots of different aspects of my interest in epilepsy but all sort of linked together i'm going to quote something from uh, from a paper of yours our data suggests that genetic testing should be a primary investigation for epilepsies presenting in early childhood which Sounds great to me, but could you explain to everybody about your thoughts on the value of genetic testing and precision medicine and exactly what that is um, and how that can impact the lives of the children with genetic epilepsies and indeed their families? So we know that uh, epilepsies, as I said, you know, occur in one in 400 children. So they're pretty common in this this age group. And then when you look at the, the, the causes of them, there are diverse causes, uh, but one of the most important causes are our genetic etiologies. So if we look um, at the test that you would do to try and find out the cause of the epilepsy in young children, then often, interestingly, we will know the cause before the epilepsy begins. So for example, if you have a child that's been born that you know has cerebral palsy, that maybe had an issue in the in the in the womb in, in fetal life, or around the time of birth, and has got an acquired brain injury, and then they present with seizures later in life. So you already know the cause, okay? Or if they have another chromosomal condition, so they're born with Down syndrome, so you, they present with epilepsy, but you know the cause of the epilepsy beforehand. So in those children. Often you know the cause because there's an abnormality in the way the brain is developed or the brain is perhaps damaged at some point in the womb or in early life. Um, and in those children, brain scanning usually gives the cause. But that is often before they start having seizures. If you see a child for the first time uh, presenting with seizures in the first three, three years of life and think, what is the most useful test? In fact, it's not doing a brain scan. It is doing an epilepsy gene panel because the highest proportion of diagnosis will be made from the genetic causes of epilepsy. So if you're presenting in, a, in an infant less than six months, about half the causes are genetic in nature. Uh, and overall, um, in less than three years of age, uh, around a third of children have a genetic cause for their epilepsy that can be identified on modern genetic testing. Now, that is important because quite frequently now that genetic knowledge is guiding our treatment. So there are several um, uh, what we call epilepsy syndromes or uh, gene-defined epilepsies that we know will respond to certain medications, others that will get worse with certain medications. So there's a, an epilepsy syndrome called Drave syndrome, which is related to a change in a, a sodium ion channel gene. Now you may remember sodium ions are what help control electrical activity in the brain. So if you have a problem with one of the genes that controls the movement of the sodium ions in and out of cells in the brain, that can cause abnormal electrical activity in the brain. Now, we know that if you use one anti-epileptic drug, 
uh, a group of anti-epileptic drugs that are called sodium channel blockers, which include drugs like uh, carbamazepine, lamotrigine, phenytoin. You can actually make that epilepsy worse. You can actually give a child more seizures by your treatment. By giving them an anti-seizure medicine, you can increase their seizures. Now, but there are other drugs that we know, other medications that can reduce the seizures. So that knowledge of the genetic change can guide your therapy. Um, and moving forward, I think that's going to be even more important because we're entering the e era of what we call precision medicine. You've alluded to that. Now, precision medicine can mean all sorts of different things. It's a trendy term, isn't it? <laughs> I, I like to think it's a very broad definition of just taking into account individual variability. Uh, in a person, a more focused definition is is a treatment that will actually modify the underlying uh, pathophysiology or the underlying cause of the, of the disease. Now, um, I like to have a combination of those two definitions, but we are now um, uh, getting into the stage where the precision gene-related therapies are being trialed in the epilepsies. Right. So, for example, for the condition Grave syndrome, there's now one trial that's, that's ongoing uh, uh, in the States and the United Kingdom where patients have been recruited. Um, uh, and one of my patients is going to be uh, dosed with that this coming month. So that's really exciting for me. Ooh. Someone I've known since they were a baby. And if someone had said to me, five, ten years ago, oh, you'll be giving gene therapy to this uh, to this patient, I would have said, no, that's, that's not, that's not going to happen for the next 15 years or so. So the technology is moving on really rapidly. Wow. We're still just at that stage where we're finding out if these treatments will work, you know, in preclinical animal models, there is evidence that they work. And also we have to find out the right doses of these treatments. Uh, and... Uh, we have to learn if they produce unusual side effects. And also, I think we, we're we really excited by this, but we also have to temper our enthusiasm to a degree because we know that right. quite often, you know, people get excited about gene therapies, that they're going to change and someone is going to be cured. And I, I think our, our understanding of, of most diseases is that uh, there are very few diseases that we cure. That, you know, some... Yeah. There, are, there are transient illnesses, infections that we can cure, we can treat with antibiotics, we can cure. But many conditions are chronic and we manage them. Sometimes our treatments can change them. And we hope that m maybe these gene therapies will dramatically change these conditions and make them a much better version of what they were before. And if that's the case, that would be fantastic. But we have to manage expectations as well, don't we? I think be very, very careful. Like um, often I think the, the term gene therapy scares a lot of people. It's like, what, you're going to faff about with my genes and turn me into like, I don't know, uh, what's it, uh, Jeff Goldblum in The Fly from like the 80s or something. Yeah, yeah. Sort of and maybe this is for another episode. It's not about that. Um, and we're talking about improving quality of life as well as saving lives. But yeah, we don't know for sure yet what the outcomes will be, both short and long term, correct? No, that's correct. So it's really important that these trials are being done in a very rigorous fashion, which they are. Um, uh, and there are many regulations around these uh, these trials and very close monitoring of all the patients. And at the moment, they're at what we call a dose finding stage. So ah. you're, looking, you're looking to see what dose is the safest for, for, for individuals. And often uh, when this is done, you know, people use 
cautious treatments initially and it's better to be cautious uh, at, at, in the early stages and, and when you've got more confidence about a particular treatment. This is so interesting, Samir. And, what, and it's coincidentally, this is June, the month for um, Dravet awareness and CDKL5 awareness. Um, obviously, these are two diseases that you relate very closely to professionally. Um, have you got any um, anything to say regarding that or like anything that you'll be involved in? I think one of the positive things is... Uh, um, that you know, the, the trials of you know uh, in Dravet syndrome are becoming active, so we're really excited that you know we're you know some of our patients are being enrolled in those um, gene-related trials um, this month. Uh, um, uh, the other things that are really important are that um, the epilepsy syndromes papers from the International League Against Epilepsy are coming out this month, which talk about in detail about Dravet syndrome and also CDKL5, and we hope that these will be important in terms of providing diagnostic information for the general epilepsy community, uh, both in um, high-resource countries and in in countries where people don't have as many resources for, for genetic testing as well. Don't forget that next week is part two of our chat with Samir, where we will be talking about the new ILAE reclassifications of epilepsy syndromes in young children. Thank you so much, Samir. Thank you. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Please subscribe to Epilepsy Sparks Insights on your podcast app so that you will never miss the weekly episode. I'm Tori Robinson. Thanks for listening.